0: to more of Atlanta Soccer tonight with Jason Longshore on Sports Radio
1: 929 The Game Welcome in Atlanta Soccer tonight catching up on all the action from the World Cup with our good friend Gonzalo Pineda manager of Atlanta United Gonzalo how are you
2: I'm very good how are you
1: Doing good. It's been a crazy day at the tournament, but of course, we have to talk about Mexico from yesterday and the disappointment. Just your general reaction of Mexico's World Cup going from Game 1 against Poland, the most critical game, to a tough one with Argentina, to a great performance against Saudi Arabia that ultimately came up short.
2: Yes, well, uh, pretty disappointed as probably the rest of Mexico. Obviously, we had probably not high hopes, but we had some hopes of at least making the next uh phase of the tournament and, and, and obviously we didn't succeed on that. It's crazy because for me the last game was the best one Mexico played and uh and well we was, we, we just fell short and uh well it's uh, very disappoint uh, very disappointed I would say.
1: Yeah, it feels like this tournament, the schedule itself really fell in an awkward way for Mexico because the Poland game was the critical one and just not having any kind of a a camp to prepare. It felt like both teams were kind of just awkward in that first game.
2: Yes, yes. Well, it it, it was, uh, uh, we cannot blame the calendar. I mean uh there there would be there were issues for every team you can name it and and there were many many teams that that you know had issues with injuries and that and timings and all that so I would say that uh it is what it is and Mexico had to do a good job at uh just try to fix those issues and 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 do and do a better world cup uh unfortunately I would say yes the timing of of you know lozano not being completely in rhythm in in uh in italy due to some injuries and jimenez also not being uh full feet and corona tecatito corona uh going down in the last minute of of the list uh i, I would say that that those are the three best attackers we have we know the issues that carlos Vela and chicharito they can be so so we 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 were a little bit short in the attack and and lack of creative players in the attack and uh, well uh it, it was difficult for mexico for sure
1: yeah it that definitely made it a more difficult tournament when and injuries are are affecting this for a lot of number a lot of teams the argentina match i think one of the big questions coming into that and, and argentina coming off of the loss in game one you knew they were going to be loaded for this one but mexico came in in a very defensive stance were you a little surprised by that
2: yes to be honest it it was a little bit of a surprise uh, because uh i would say that tata martino is a coach well known for trying to dictate always the game and i was expecting mexico try to have that battle with argentina um and and well he he decided that at the end of the day You know, no one knows better the team and and, and what type of tactic uh, you are going to do better than the coach. And he knew the players he had. And and maybe he felt that if he tried to to go for the game, uh, Mexico was exposed in in some moments with Messi and the talented players Argentina had. And and he designed that that, uh, strategy and that game plan. Uh, Obviously, we in Mexico, we felt a little bit uh, disappointed by that because we felt that that we could have a little bit have a little bit more resistance to to argentina even though we did a good job overall the first 60 minutes defensively we could have do more um, we could have done more in the attacking side of the game and and obviously it was the, the the way we lost against argentina was was a disappointment so what's
1: next in your opinion? Tata said that, you know, his, his, his uh, contract was up at the end of the last game. There's going to be change. Uh, do you expect Mexico to kind of go to the status quo, or do you maybe expect them to, to shake things up and go in a different direction?
2: Well, uh, I, I don't know well the news, but uh, what I i read a little bit uh yesterday and today's is is, is tata is no longer the, the the head coach of the national team i don't know if that's a, a fact or not but i would say that it's going to be because of the environment and media and fans and all that I, I i would say it's very difficult tata can continue as a head coach but uh i i'm not the type of guys that is blaming only tata or, or tata at all i mean uh, he's a great coach he, he's proven uh it's for me the whole system in mexico the, the league uh uh you know how we work with uh academy players to move them to the first team a little bit quicker trying to sell more players to europe but it seems like mexico only wants uh, you know big transfer fees 15 million dollars for every every good player we have and that's impossible in europe so it is uh, it, it, there are many things to fix i would say that it, it seems like we always go to these uh, type of processes in Mexico after the World Cup and we always feel that that that, that we went short uh, in the in the World Cup and then we try to fix a lot of things. There are a lot of ideas. At the end of the day, nothing happens. And then the next World Cup is the same cycle. So it, it is uh, for me, it's a little bit of a disappointment for 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 um, you know the situation that, that we don't really fix things. We don't really fix the situations that that are preventing Mexico to, to develop a better football and be, better footballers and more players in Europe and and, and a whole process that is just better. Um, so uh, we will see what happens uh, as always, you know, the front office in Mexican Federation, uh, they will they will do their job and they will try to come up with a good plan, but it seems like the same cycle every, every four years.
1: Yeah, it felt, like, it, it felt like that was potentially changing with the success at the youth national team levels and those young players getting minutes in Liga MX for, for a while there. But you're right. The moves to Europe haven't happened consistently, and it kind of stagnated at the senior level, even with the promise at the youth national team level.
2: Yes, I, I mean, I, I would say that one of the good things that we do, because not everything is bad in Mexico, it seems like now we are all doom and gloom, but but there are very right. good things. One of the good things we have is the academy process and the youth national teams, and they normally do well. But we have to remember that we are also out of the of the Olympics. We are out of the under 20s. We are out even with the Women's uh, World Cup. So it is, it is not just the first team. And uh, it seems like even though we do a good job with, Academies and and all that. It seems like there's a big gap between academies and the first teams. In in every club, there are not many young players playing now a stellar role in any club in Mexico. And the good ones, you know, we transfer to Monterey for 10 ten, twelve millions instead of selling them to Europe for five. And uh, I understand the business side of it, but but if it is only business, uh, we won't progress.
1: Yeah, that's been maybe the biggest change that we've seen here in the US is players making that jump earlier and even Canada and I think the performances that we've seen in this tournament if anything, you know, show that CONCACAF has gotten so much more competitive from top to even, you know, deep into the middle of the the confederation. It's not going to be easy for Mexico, the US, Canada to stay in their positions because CONCACAF has gotten so deep lately.
2: Yes, yes, I agree. I agree that uh, CONCACAF, if I would say something is is, is good that, that, you know, the U.S. is doing better than Mexico in this moment and, and Canada, overall, I think they progress a lot uh, because the area will, will improve and that's good for everyone. So uh, I'm happy about it. Uh, obviously, I always want Mexico to be the best one in CONCACAF and <laughs> yes. try to compete for something different, but that's the battle, that's the rivalry, and that's, that's what will push each other to, to a better uh, a better performance.
1: Do you think maybe League's Cup will will have an impact on, on some of that decision making or at least put some of the young Mexican players in a potentially bigger spotlight?
2: Well, is is honestly it is not just that. It's uh it is a whole, right? So in Mexico we stopped playing Copa America. We stopped playing Copa Libertadores, Copa Sudamericana. In my opinion that was a great success in terms of the experience we got at an early stage to play in Boca Juniors. I played a final when I was I think 21, 22. I played a final in Boca Juniors uh uh, um, uh stadium in La Bombonera and it was fantastic environment. I learned a lot from those moments. and the pressures you are into i would say that that teach you teaches you a lot so uh, that exposure is good that you know facing chivas versus river and club america versus boca and, and sao paulo versus cruz Azul, that that that's what we want to see to to be exposed to a better level uh and, and also in CONCACAF, especially, you know, uh, we in Mexico, we're going to have some issues because we don't have Olympics. I said that we don't have the qualifying tournaments. So how we are going to figure it out that competitive, those competitive matches to, to, to uh, you know, uh, prepare our team for the next World Cup where we're, we're going to be the host. And it seems like it's going to be a challenge for us to put a good team together to, to, to compete.
1: Yeah, it really feels like CONCACAF and Comball are going to have to find some new ways to partner with Nations League and Europe, taking some of those friendlies away from the big teams worldwide. It's going to have to be something that maybe goes hand in hand with South America and CONCACAF working together for the benefit of all.
2: Yes. Yes. Again, it it is. It is a whole. It's not just that. It's the league. You know, improving the Mexican league is how we're going to compete. How we are selling players to Europe at 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 an earlier stage of their careers. How how we're going to become that that. a uh, uh, country with a good league but also with a good national team that is a business for everyone but it's also good in the development side and, and we can perform better that's what you know the people in charge of that has to figure it out because again it seems like the cycle in Mexico it, it seems like that but uh, in the meantime the last 12 16 years we've been spending time in doing that cycle that that didn't show improvement uh, overall but uh, canada and u.s they had a plan for 20 25 years probably and 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 they are seeing the, the results of that now and uh we are not starting yet uh, and is how it feels this moment
1: it's gonna be fascinating to watch over the next couple of, of years with mexico and the the bounce back to hosting games in 26 before i let you go i wanted to ask you about the tournament as a whole Feels like we're, we're seeing some wild results, some very unpredictable things in these games, a lot of really interesting tactical matchups between managers and between teams. Is there anything that has stood out to you watching the the whole tournament?
2: Well, yes, I, I see a lot of the big players in the big uh, teams a little bit tired. I, I would say that at this mm-hmm. moment they, they they look just fatigued, a little bit fatigued. I don't know if it is the schedule or or you know just the the, the whole organization of the tournament in Qatar. Uh, there there's been some good games, not all of them, I would say, but uh, there's been some very very good games in terms of tactics. I think normally in the first couple games you there are some surprises but after that in the next stage normally the bigger teams win because they are a little bit more in rhythm they understand what is the world cup about and and they start to perform at their normal level so so you don't be so many you don't see so many surprises in the next stage i would say but you never know this is the world but this is a fascinating part of a world cup that you know it's been very competitive and you've seen teams probably uh what i the tendency i see is the teams are better organized as a collective and they are better tactically as a group, they are the ones that win. And you see even with Brazil that they, of course they have a lot of talent, but they try to put it together as a whole, as a a whole team and not just one man's effort. And and, and it seems like those teams are doing very well. And, um, you know, um, I, I think the next stage is going to be very, very exciting.
1: And how have you felt about the U S and their run getting out of the group and they face the Netherlands in the round of 16. Is that a, a winnable matchup in your mind?
2: Yes uh, I, I don't know about the winnable matchup I would say that I don't see Holland or Netherlands to to, to being playing very good I would say but uh, but uh, and, and the US may have a chance um, we will see there you know it's, it's a it's a very talented team the US uh, we all can notice that and very promising but I don't know if the experience in these moments in the next stage uh, is gonna work for them. But eventually they already did great. And I would say that uh, this generation in 2026 looks very, very promising. And there are some other players that are already in Europe or are signing in Europe that for that, uh, uh, you know, change of generation, is going to be great in 2026. So so obviously, uh, if I'm the U.S., I would be very excited about this game. But obviously looking forward to the next World Cup, it, it looks amazing for, for you guys. So congrats on that. And, and hopefully the U.S. does well.
1: Yeah, can't wait to see Saturday. And I can't let you go without asking about the news this week of Derek Etienne signing with Atlanta United. How excited are you to get Etienne coming off of a career year with Columbus and adding to the Atlanta United attack?
2: Yeah, for sure. We were scouting him uh, a while ago. Uh, we're looking at him as a potential, uh, you know, um, new player for us. And once the timing was right, uh, the front office approached to him, and we are very excited at, at at this signing. I would say that his attributes are gonna be attributes that are, are going to help us in the final third. Something that we were lacking a little bit was that type of player that stretches the opponent and makes runs in behind. And, and is a little bit more direct uh, and makes those runs in behind that I really like. Uh, and and at times we look like a team that plays good possession. But in the final third, we were a little bit narrow and only talk a talk outside of the box, and we need a little bit of explosion on, on that flank. And uh, well, it's a great signing for us. I hope he does well. I Already, obviously, talked to him. Uh, I I told him that I still remember that goal he scored in the final when when they beat us with Colombo when I, con Columbus when I was in Seattle. And I expect many more of those because now I'm, I'm I know that he's capable of scoring goals in in big in big games. So so I expect that from him, and and hopefully he he does well with the group.
1: Gonzalo, thanks so much for the time. I really appreciate it and can't wait to get 23 started with the five stripes. Looking forward to it.
2: Thank you very much. See you.
0: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the name your price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds.